service. Uh, Bev's in the back. Years ago, Bev said, I'd like my kids, and I thought I knew her kids, uh, to come and make a presentation because they're with uh, Transworld Radio, and I'd like them to come. And uh, these are Bev's kids. Uh, this is Randy and Christy Shearer. Uh, we've been supporting them for a number of years now as they have ministered in Europe. Uh, he'll tell you a little bit about the ministry and his testimony and also uh, a challenge from the Word of God this morning. But what I want to really encourage you is that tonight is where we will look in detail at what he does and what she does uh, with the ministry. And uh, they'll be showing some PowerPoints and all those kinds of things. So I really encourage you to come back tonight. I've encouraged him to leave some time for um, uh, questions, as we almost always do when missionaries are here. And uh, so he'll have the whole time tonight. Uh, him and Christy will have the whole time tonight uh, to minister and just to share what God is doing. It's a very biblical thing. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul did when he went on his mission trips. He came back and reported to the church what he had seen God doing. And uh, I call it Acts chapter 29. And uh, so if you want to study Acts chapter 29, uh, be back tonight. Randy, Lord bless you as you come and minister to us. You might want to introduce your wife because I'm sure there's some people here that don't know her. Oh, okay. Well, as Pastor said, I'm Randy. I am with TWR, formerly Trans World Radio. And this is my wife, Christy. We've been on the field in Europe for about uh, four years now. Uh, this is our second furlough back. Uh, our first furlough was... Uh, cut abruptly short. I had an accident. Some of you may remember when I spoke here. I was in a walker and had to sit on that stool because I couldn't stand. But uh, the Lord has healed me and we are back. And I just want to thank you so much for all your prayers and all your support. You know, Pastor said to come back tonight and listen to me tell you more in detail about what I do. But it's really about what you are doing as well because we can't do it without you. There was a gentleman that was sitting in the back today. His name was Mike. And he said, I know you. He says, I've been praying for you. And he asked me, how was my, my back? Um, and I was so thankful for that because we need the prayer support just as much as we need the financial support. There are so many things that happen over there, and I'll go into a little more detail tonight, that I can only attribute to you guys praying for us. So, again, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for having us here. I want to thank you for taking us under your wing and for, and for supporting us both in prayer and financial support that allows us to do what we do. One of the things that uh, I talk about in our presentation is that I know for a fact that I am doing what God wants me to do. I know for a fact that I am where God wants me to be. I know for a fact that I am doing what his will is for me. And when I say these things, usually sometimes after uh, I'm done speaking, uh, once in a while people will come up to me and they'll ask me, how do I know that? So I want to share with you today a little bit about how we discern God's will for our lives, for your life, for your personal life. The good news is, is that God does have a plan for you. The Bible says in Romans 12, 2, that God's will is good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. We were created by God in his image for a purpose. 
just as God set apart from birth Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Paul. He set them apart for a specific purpose, and you can read in those books that I just mentioned how they knew that God had a specific purpose for them. In Ephesians 5.17, the Bible says, So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do you get the idea that God wants us to really know what his will is? It's not to be a mystery. It's not something that we are to guess at. So how do we discern what that will is specifically for us? The first thing that we need to understand is that there are that God's will can be separated into two separate portions here. We have his general will, and that's his will that he wants all of us to know and do. And then he has his specific will, which is what he wants you specifically to do. His general will is probably the easiest one, but yet it's also one of the hardest ones. His general will, he's given us. It's right here. It's in his book. Everything he wants you and me to do as Christians is written right here. This book is like an owner's manual to life. When you go out and you buy a new car, if you buy a new appliance, say a refrigerator or a washer and dryer, if you buy a new computer, they come with manuals. These manuals tell us what all the little buttons and controls do on this particular piece of equipment. It tells you how to operate it. In other words, how to push those buttons in the right order and to get it to do what you bought this device to do. More importantly, it tells you what not to do. If you've ever had an appliance and you have misused it, uh, vacuum cleaners can be burned up if they're not set right. Uh, if you don't have the right filters in place, uh, cars, if you run them out of oil, you can ruin the engine. Uh, so the owner's manuals also tell you what not to do. And they're not there as rules and regulations. They're there to help you to make this product run better and last longer. That's what this book is. This is our owner's manual to life. It's a road map. If you read it and understand it, God will take you where he wants you to be. There is what I've seen anyway. The youth today, there is a generation growing up that does not know God's word. It's more prevalent in Europe, where we're from, than it is here, but I do see signs of it here as well. Pastor was just talking about in Sunday school, and I even mentioned in, in the first service. There is a lot of things out there on the internet, published in books, that claim to be Christian, that claim to be biblical, and they are not. Some of them are that outright off that they're fairly easy to spot, but the ones that I think are more difficult are the ones that are taking good doctrine, but they'll intermingle just a little bit of something that isn't true. And if you don't know this word, you're going to be blown like chaff in the wind. You're going, to, you're going to buy what they're selling, hook, line, and sinker, and not know that you're being taken down a side road. So first and foremost, we must be in this word. We must pray. As you're reading God's word, you should pray for wisdom. 
James tells us, but if you lack wisdom, ask the Lord who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him, but let him ask in faith without any doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven by the wind and tossed. For let that man not think that he will receive anything from the Lord. This word is living and it's active. Hebrews tells us, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing even to the dividing of a soul and spirit. Of both joints and marrow, it is able to discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. If you are having a problem, you can go to God's word. And as you read it and you pray about your problem, you will find insight. This Bible was written that way. It's active. It's alive. One week it can speak something to you, and the very next week the same verse or the same chapter or the same book of the Bible can tell you something totally different. It's living. It's active. What does the Bible tell us about the word? Jesus is the word. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's in the first, uh, the first book of John, first chapter. That's his general will. It's written in here. We need to pray about it. We need to read his Word and know and understand it, and you will find the things that he wants all of us to be. One of the things that we need to be ready to do is all of us are called to be witnesses to him. That means each and every one of you should have a testimony ready at any given time. And a testimony isn't just merely how God saved you. You know, not all of us have these great, wonderful testimonies that, you know, we were a drug addict or we were miraculously saved somehow. Uh, Like me, I was saved just attending a church service. I heard and understood the word. The Holy Spirit opened my eyes. Not that drastic, but that isn't the testimony. The testimony is what God has done in your life. So I want to urge and challenge all of you that either this afternoon, this evening, uh, sometime this week, to just think about what God has done for you in your life, where he's brought you, the things that he has done, the things he's given you. That is your testimony. Let's talk about the specific will now. The specific will, that is what God wants you to do. Not what he wants all of us to do, what he wants you to do. It's a little more difficult to figure out. Let me start by saying that There is no perfect formula to this. I know that I am doing what God wants me to do. I know I am serving where God wants me to serve. And we'll talk about that as I go through this because there are a lot of situations that God has shown me this. But even though I know that I am where I am supposed to be and I'm doing what I'm supposed to do during my daily work, There are always issues and problems, and there are paths that you could go one way or or another to take. I can guarantee you I have taken the wrong path from time to time. But there are some points that we need to follow, and if we follow these, we can learn to understand what that will is for us. We just read, God will give us wisdom if we ask for it. James tells us that. 
So we need to ask for the wisdom as we read his word. The second thing to understand is God will never contradict his written word. This is very important to understand. As we talk about the Spirit, we'll also see that the the Holy Spirit, God will talk to us using the Holy Spirit. But there are other voices out there. Each of us has our own voice when we think to ourselves. We hear our own voice. We need to be aware of that voice. Satan can also whisper in our ears, and the world has its influences on us. So how do we discern what is us talking to ourselves, what is Satan whispering in our ear from the Holy Spirit? That's where being in God's Word, and that's where praying is so important. Because the Holy Spirit's Word will never, ever contradict what God wrote here. One of the examples that I used this morning was that there was a youth in our church over in Austria that uh, really, really wanted to date an unsaved girl. And he came to Bernhardt. He's an elder of the church and one of my TWR co-workers. Uh, he came to Bern and myself and said, you know, I've been praying about this and I really feel the Lord is telling me that it's okay for me to date this girl. It's not. That was not the Holy Spirit that he was listening to that was talking to him. It was either his own will or it was the world talking to him or it was Satan whispering in his ear. And how do I know that? Because the Bible says that we are not to be unequally yoked. That voice was contradicting what God's word says. How are you going to be able to discern what's right and wrong if you don't know God's word? It is so important. God doesn't use burning bushes to talk to us much anymore, does he? But he will use burning hearts. When I was first saved, I thought I was okay. I went to a large denomination church. I did all the things that uh, people said that you needed to do, and I thought that I was okay. If you would have asked me back then, was I saved or was I going to heaven, I probably would have responded something like, well, I think so. And it wasn't until uh, I met Christy. I was working for her father, and her brother was my best friend through high school. And I started hanging out at their house, and when her parents invited me to go to church with them, at that time it was the Bible Baptist Church over in Shireman's Town, PA. And when I went to my first service, it was like Pastor Santos was pointing his finger right at me. You need to have a personal relationship. This was totally new to me, but I got it. Let me tell you, I got it. Now, I didn't walk the aisle the first night. I was too embarrassed or too nervous or whatever you want to call it. Okay, but uh, I got it that, that first night. And from the moment I heard that, I knew that that is the most important message that everyone has to hear. Because I thought I was okay, but I wasn't. And I thought, how many more people are out there that may have heard God's word? And at that time, I was only really thinking of those who had at least heard God's word before, but didn't. You know, their eyes weren't opened by the Holy Spirit. They didn't understand it. Now, of course, I know there are plenty of countries out there where people don't have the same opportunity that you and I have. They don't have churches. They don't have pastors. The only thing they have is radio, and that's what uh, became such a big burden on on my heart and and brought my attention to the the radio uh, ministry with, with TWR. So what I'm saying is that God will put a burden on your heart. It may be for a certain missions group. 
something that you can relate to, that you have had personal experience with. It may be a certain people group. It may be, uh, you know, the, the Chinese, the Russians, you know, the Arabic nations. Uh, it could be local here. You know, it, it could be city people. Uh, it could be anything, but it's what is God placing on your heart? He speaks to us through burning hearts. There is a prerequisite to this. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do you see that? In order to prove what God's will is, we need to prepare ourselves. Psalm 32.8 promises God's guidance while seeking his will. We must immerse ourselves in prayer in the study of God's word, first and foremost, in order to make decisions that are compatible with God's specific will. We need to be ready to turn everything over to the Lord. It all belongs to him anyway. Your life, your home, your families, your job, your bank account, they were all given to us by the Lord. If your mindset and your heart are on these things, if they're on worldly things, you will not hear the Lord talking to you. If you get yourself into this right mindset where it all belongs to him anyway, and you're giving it to him, and you're saying, okay, Lord, I am subject to you, that's when you'll start to hear the Holy Spirit speaking. Luke 9.23 says, If anyone would come to me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. The first thing, the first step to this, in order to have our hearts even start down this right path, is you must have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that our prayers are not heard if we are not saved. The Lord does not hear the prayers of the unrighteous. How are we made righteous? We're made righteous only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So that relationship has to be there first. That is the very first step. If that is not the case with you, if you have never made a profession of faith, if you have never trusted the Lord Jesus for your Savior, then everything else I'm saying here doesn't matter. That's the first step. But if you've taken that step and you still want to know God's will, that's where these other steps come in. Know the word. Be in prayer. Listen to the Holy Spirit. There's an English evangelist, George Mueller, and this is what he has to say. Knowing, knowing God's will is the key to prayer, spiritual growth, and fruitfulness in our individual lives. 
I seek at the beginning to get my heart into such a state that it has no will of its own in regard to a given matter. Nine-tenths of the trouble with people generally is just here. Nine-tenths of the difficulties are overcome when our hearts are ready to do the Lord's will, whatever it may be. When one is truly in this state, it is usually but a little way to the knowledge of what his will is for us. Having done this, I do not leave the result to a feeling or simple impression. If so, I make myself liable to great delusion. I seek the will of the Spirit of God through or in connection with the Word of God. The Spirit and the Word must be combined. If I look to the Spirit alone without the Word, I lay myself open to great delusions. If the Holy Ghost guides us at all, he will do it according to the Scriptures and never contrary to them. We said that before. It's so important to understand that because you have to compare what you're listening to to what God's Word says. Next, I take into account providential circumstances. These often plainly indicate God's will in connection with his word and spirit. What's happening in your life around you? What is God putting you through? What does the Bible say about how you should be reacting to these situations? God will speak to us in these ways. I ask God in prayer to reveal his will to me aright. Thus, through prayer and God, the study of the word, and reflection, I come to a deliberate judgment according to the best of my ability and knowledge. And if my mind is thus at peace and continues so after two or three more petitions, I proceed accordingly. In trivial matters and in transactions involving most important issues, I have found this method always effective. God also gives us the Holy Spirit for guidance. We were just talking about that. That's one of the ways he communicates with us. John 16, verse 13 says, When he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. We have the Holy Spirit living in us if we've accepted Christ. We need to learn to listen to him, to tune him in. If your fleshly nature is controlling your life, you won't be able to discern what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. The Holy Spirit will prompt us through reading the Bible, through the authorities he has put over you, through fervent prayer, through direct communication. And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk you in it. When you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left. It's Isaiah 30, 21. He goes on to say that extreme care must be used when hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, for Satan can also put thoughts in your head. The difference is that Satan always misuses God's word, while the Holy Spirit always agrees with it. That's what we were just saying. God will put godly men and women in your life. He will speak to us, to those he puts in authority over us. God's word says we are to be submissive to those in authority over us. So I'm talking about parents. I'm talking about your pastors. I'm talking about your teachers, your Sunday school teachers, grandparents, godly men and women that you come in contact with on your 
like on a Sunday here, or in your daily life. God will speak through them to you. Many times the advice of a parent, a pastor, a youth minister, or a Sunday school teacher, or other mature person is just what we need to help us decide what God wants us to do. Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Proverbs 12.15 tells us, The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. Seek advice. Seek godly advice. One of the third ways is if you have a peace about something. If you are faced with two decisions, if one gives you more peace than another, that way is usually the right way. Because God's word says he wants us to have peace. The fruit of righteousness will be peace. The effect of righteousness will be quietness and confidence forever. Isaiah 32, 17. We should trust God in faith that he will accomplish this in our lives. We are to trust the Lord. The Bible says, trust the Lord and lean not in your, on your own understanding. Being confident of this, that he who has begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. I can use my own personal example. After I was saved, I was ready to go out and do missions work right away. Had I done that, I would have probably gone to a Bible school. I would have become an ordained pastor. My idea of missions work back then was to be serving in some foreign country where we would have a thatched roof and a dirt floor and be ministering to uh, some natives. And I probably would have done that had I not listened to what the Lord was telling me. How do I know that it wasn't his timing? Because as soon as I said, I want to be a missionary, I want to do missions work, my wife said, no way. Her idea was the same thing, and there was no way she was going to live in some jungle with bugs crawling around our, our, our thatched roof hut and, and all these other things. So, of course, I'm thinking, okay, she's my wife. We were just married. I'm the head of this household. I could say we're doing missions work. Well, guess what? I was wrong. <laughs> But I went and I sought counsel from our pastor and our youth pastor, and they both said the exact same thing. If God calls you, he will call both of you. Christy wasn't ready. And I know now I wasn't ready, but I didn't know that then. God matured us spiritually for 17 years. Right? Good, I got it right this time. I got it wrong in the first service. (laughs) Not only was he maturing us spiritually, but he was training us to do the exact same job that we do over there. I've been a field service technician my entire life. I spent 23 years with, uh, it was the same company, but it was bought out several times, so I worked for different companies, but I was doing the exact same job. She was doing a job that uh, she was working with 
conferences and setting them up and working with other peoples and partners and bringing these things together. That's exactly what Transworld Radio needed her to do. He was training us. I didn't know that then. I didn't see it then. But we patiently waited for the Lord, and that's when he turned her heart, when it was his timing. One of the things I mentioned in the first service, I was very surprised when we got onto the mission field. There are missionaries that are over that are fighting burnout. Missionaries have been taken off the mission field and sent back to the states to recover from mental burnout, from mental anguish, from problems. There are some that are still on the mission field but are on reduced work schedules. Why is that? One of the other ways that you can discern God's will is what skills has he given you? He gave me the skills to fix things. I love it. I'm good at it. And I'm not saying that, that to brag. I'm saying it because God gave me those skills. My wife will attest to this. There can be something that other people have looked at, and I will walk up to it and look at it, and I can fix it within a few seconds. And like I said, I'm not trying to brag. I just want you to know that God gave me those skills to do that. Sometimes I don't even know what I do. I just get in, take a quick look at it, put it back together, and it works. I can't explain it. It's God. But he gave me the skills to do this. If he's calling you to the mission field, or if he's calling you to work here in the church, if he's calling you in any way, shape, or form, he's going to give you the heart to do it. He's going to give you the joy while you're doing it. And he's going to give you the skills to do it. I honestly believe that some of these missionaries that I see that are struggling and having problems stepped out almost like I did ahead of the Lord. They didn't wait for his guidance because had I gone to ministry school, it takes me forever to prepare one of these sermons. I'm not a speaker. I wasn't, you know, God didn't call me to stand here and be a pastor. God called me to fix things. That's what I do. But had I gone and stepped ahead of the Lord and done my own thing, I would be working out of my own strength and I would be miserable. And I would probably have that same burnout that I see these other missionaries have. That's how to discern God's will in your life. Read the Bible. Know what the Bible says for God's general will. Once you know his general will, then start to pray about the things that he has given you, the things that he has placed on your, your heart the desires that you have. Look at the skills that he has given you and see how these fit. That's how you can discern the Lord's will. Once we stopped and we listened to the Lord, the Lord brought Alex Terosi into our lives. He's the area representative for Transworld Radio. Some of you may know him. He even has probably spoken in this church. When he came and talked about Transworld Radio, right away I saw the best way... You know, God placed it on my heart. Radio, look how many people we can cover. We speak to over 160 million people every single day. That's fantastic. And not only that, they have all this technical equipment, transmitters and antennas and computers and satellite systems. They need to be fixed and maintained, and that's what I do. God gave me the skills to be a technician, and he gave me the desire to reach people, and that's exactly where I am and exactly what I'm doing. That's how And you can know too.
The last thing he's going to do is he's going to provide the funds. If he calls you to do his work, if he places a burden on your heart to support a missionary or to support missions work, you're going to have a job that's going to supply you with enough money to meet your family needs and the extra. If God doesn't provide the funds, then either it's A, it's not his timing, or whatever you're looking at is not his will. And if I have time tonight, I'll tell you a little bit about how our uh, financing and funding went, because it's quite miraculous, actually. <laughs> so thank you very much, and I hope that you were able to learn something from this. <laughs>